0: Hi, this is Dr. Mercola, helping you take control of your health. And today we are joined by Paul Molyneux, who is an expert and has written a book about aquaculture and some of the dangers of eating farmed fish. And he's an insider. So he's not just an investigative journalist, but he's actually an insider. So the book comes from a different perspective. And it really highlights that, uh, you know the dangers of most of the seafood they were eating and some of the things we reviewed on the site before but some will be new to you and you know from my perspective there's two very dangerous foods when you're going out to almost any restaurant not all but most restaurants the first would be chicken you do not want to eat chicken in a restaurant uh they're almost invariably uh confined raising confined animal feeding operations very high in infections and these chickens are raised under absolutely inhumane conditions. So you want to avoid that unless you know where the chicken was raised. And then, of course, farm fish, which we're going to get into today. So welcome. And thank you for joining us today, Paul.
1: I, um, I left home at a young age, at 17, and got into the commercial fishing industry. And, um, and this opportunity, the opportunity came up to work in aquaculture in the late 70s. And I was working in California growing oysters. And I always had a, you know, I, I always had an interest in aquaculture and, and it, although I primarily was a commercial fisherman. In the late 80s, I was working, um, running a fish processing plant for the Passamaquoddy tribe in Eastport, Maine, on Cobscook Bay. And there was a sudden push to do salmon farming in the bay. And the way they sold it to us was... Who is Who is they? Who is they? Uh, the promoters. Um, at the time, it was uh, a company called um, Ocean Products.
0: Okay. So this and is the industry, the industry yes. for farm fishing. Right.
1: And also with um, uh, people from the state, who would, uh, the extension office, the, the Department of Marine Resources uh, in Maine, were promoting this to fishermen saying, you can become farmers of the sea you can start giving back to the ocean and we bought it hook, line and sinker. We were like, okay, let's do this. And you know, it's a funny thing. There were last summer, there were about six of us standing on the dock in Eastport and we were saying, geez, we thought this was going to be, uh, our, <laughs> this was going to
0: be great. But was what it, happened was, was, was this the beginning of the farm fishing industry in the early eighties?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well in the late eighties is yeah. when it really hit in Cobb's okay. Cook Bay, Maine. Okay. And, uh, we We thought that this was going to be you know our new industry, what was you know what was going to see us out right um as fisheries had gone down and But what happened was the economics of it, it quickly consolidated into the hands of just a few players, and now is in one the hands of one and but when it was in the in the late nineties, um, what happened was they had so many pens. In the, in the bay that um, they got a disease in there, infectious salmon anemia virus. And that just wiped out the fishery. Two million fish had to come out of the bay overnight. And that pretty much set the industry back. And, and um, it's now it's owned by one company with pretty much everything automated. And, um,
0: What's the so name of that? Who, who's the company? That Cook
1: Aquaculture. It?
0: Cook aquaculture.
1: Interesting. Yes. So, so so we, and they have a tremendous sea lice problem. So they're pouring tons of uh, uh, slice into those pens and they're coming up with new systems now because they're finding the sea lice medication is now in the mollusks, like the scallops that are also harvested from the bay the clams and, and, um, and the scallops that come out of the
0: bay. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's not the solution. So throw a drug at it, just like it isn't a solution in humans. Yeah,
1: yeah, so yeah. So
0: if we go back to the 80s, you know, b- yeah. basically, what, 10, 20, 30 years ago.
1: 30 years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, The uh, well, yeah, so 30 years ago, uh, there was uh, basically uh, wild fish was uh, dominated america's top 10 favorite seafoods uh right. and then it just fell off the charts because you couldn't get it just essentially disappeared by you know literally by the not much after the turn of the 21st century mm-hmm. uh and they just dropped off the list because you couldn't get them so why don't you d- discuss that a little bit and really help us understand the options we have when we go to a, re- a typical restaurant not necessarily a restaurant on the ocean that specializes in in freshly caught fish right well
1: what what i do a, a lot in swimming in circles is look at the the economics of this okay so mm-hmm. when you have um we have an industrial food distribution system so if you go into your, uh, it, uh, for example, a friend of mine said, um, I want to do a local seafood um, dinner in your area, or, you know, just to educate people about local seafood. What can you get? I said, if you went into your local supermarket and went to the seafood case and said, I only want local, the seafood case would be empty or it would only have, in, in our case, clams. Lobsters and mussels, and maybe some periwinkles, but there wouldn't be codfish, right? Because the codfish, you know, this in the industrial, the industrialization. I'm sure, do you talk about this much? The industrialization, yeah, see, but, but your, it would be
0: useful, you know, from your perspective to review it, especially as an insider in the industry and basically been doing this most of your life, right? Um. The 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 the
1: as as economy of scale distribution you know uh, um, distribution systems expand, so you have no more fish markets in town. It's all at the Hannafords or the Shop and Save or whatever your chain is in Chicago or or wherever you are in the country. So they they have systems. They're all computerized. They have certain uh, uh, products that they need coming in at a certain rate mm-hmm. and dealing with the. The vagaries of wild fisheries where maybe today you have one species, tomorrow you have another. I went out and I caught pollock. Today I went out and caught haddock. Then I got blown in by a storm. I couldn't get out because of a storm. And these companies are going, well, geez, we can't deal with this. But Mm -hmm. we can deal with farm salmon. Boy, that's right there. We can have a schedule, set price, everything. Because, too, with the availability of uh, wild fish, the price varies. So these larger companies are saying, you know, are th- they're they're saying go go ahead with that aquaculture because that's perfect for us.
0: Yeah, and this and process. Go ahead.
1: So, uh, our favorite seafood actually in America is in, is uh, shrimp, mm-hmm. most of which comes out of Thailand. They, and this is also in the book. The book looks at like shrimp aquaculture and salmon aquaculture.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, one of the things I thought was that we we're, we're, we um we take these. Uh, um, these industrialized aquaculture uh, shrimp and salmon production systems. And we locate them. We sort of impose them on places where they're desperate for jobs and we come in selling them as jobs, economic development. And what they really do is, is destroy healthy fisheries in those areas. In fact, in Eastport in the late 70s, we, we actually were still catching wild cod out of skiffs, guys were going out in 20 foot skiffs and catching wild cod. And we were processing those at the um, Passamaquoddy reservation at a processing plant there and shipping them down to downstate. I shipped them to a friend of mine in Rhode Island. He calls me out and he said, Paul, what's wrong with these fish? I never seen fish like this before. I said, Carter, wait a week and you'll recognize. because you've never seen fish that fresh before <laughs> they're less than 24 hours out of the water but when the salmon farms came in you know they they've they i i can't say it's corollary evidence right but when the salmon farms came in those wild fish disappeared as did and and there was high mortalities of lobster as well because the chemicals that they used to fight the sea lice that attacked the salmon also destroy the shells of uh, larval lobsters yeah
0: and it's it's exactly what you'd predict i mean this is not rocket science essentially they're abusing the system seeking to maximize their profitability by harvesting this form of food supposed food i'd call it pseudo food Mm-hmm. completely abnormal circumstances and the feed they're giving them some of it is is toxic it's loaded with toxins like pbde flame retardants and yeah. fire chemicals are in there i mean this is sure. exactly what you they're they're feeding these feet these and they're in not much different than chicken raised in confined animal feeding operations you know they're just and highly dense population populations and they don't have the freedom to move around and swim and to predict that they're going to get diseases is not rocket science. It's exactly right. what you, it's actually what you would suspect. Most people know that, but there's, there's one scene in the book
1: where uh, I, I say, you know, where one guy who's been in the business forever says disease is a bottleneck that every aquaculture system has to get through. And another guy who is proposing <laughs> offshore, fish san- offshore fish pens saying, we're not worried about disease. It's like, well, if you're not worried, then you're going to have disease, of course. And the point that you make about the bioaccumulation of toxins in the farm salmon is exacerbated by the fact that, that when those salmon are that big, mm-hmm. they're eating feed made from fish that are that big Mm -hmm. so they're getting the they're getting these toxins in the a wild salmon eating that big would be eating plankton Mm -hmm. and the but the farm fish is 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 ingesting those toxins from day one as opposed to a a wild fish which is going to you know probably get exposed to some toxins as well but not at that concentrated level and not at that early stage of development
0: so from your perspective would it be safe to summarize that if you're in a restaurant and you know you're looking at the menu making deciding on what you're going to eat and knowing in the back of your mind that you know omega-3s from fish are typically considered to be a healthy food but if you find out and sometimes the waiter's not going to know, you got to find out from someone in authority in that restaurant. Right. Most yes. waiters do not know in my experience. Yeah. So, uh, find out where it is. Sometimes they will say in the menu that it's that's farm raised, you know, and they're, they're yeah. oh, this is organic farm raised. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but if it's farm raised, would you would you say it, it just you need to avoid it like the plague. There's just no right. reason you should ever cons- put that in your body.
1: And and not just for your own health. Mm-hmm. but for the health of the planet, the health of the communities that are ho- that are have had these these shrimp and salmon farms um imposed on them you see i mean one of the things you mentioned earlier, and I think it's important because uh, there was um uh, uh there was uh, do you you know Sam Eaton from marketplace I don't believe so now yeah anyway, he was interviewing me, and he said. And we were talking about trawlers, and he said, is there no place in your view for trawlers? And you could just as well put, uh, say salmon farms, mm-hmm. and, and because the answer would be virtually the same. I said, you know.
0: And for those, if, those of you if, who, don't, who don't know, can you uh, elaborate on what a trawler is?
1: A trawler is a boat that takes a huge net out into the ocean and drags it across the seafloor and okay. catches fish that way and brings up everything throws back the bycatch dead and there you go the same salmon salmon farms when a salmon farmer goes says i want to be a salmon farmer and goes to the bank he lists all his productive capital his net his feed every his net all his netting and his boats that he's going to depreciate but the water that flows through that pen and basically flushes the toilet, the value of that water going in is much higher than the value coming out. That's part of his productive capital. But nobody depreciates that. Mm -hmm. And that's how they get a profit. If they had to depreciate what they do to the the quality of the water, the bank would say, it's not profitable. You're not going to get the loan.
0: It would appear to me that the trawlers might produce a bit healthier fish because they're not raised in these highly adverse metabolic conditions that the, the the farming farm fish are in aquaculture
1: yes but there's other ways to catch those fish in fact oh, sure. my, my, yeah there's hooks and um and gill nets and stuff which are way have much less impact in fact you see the trawlers if you want to talk about that um again it, again i'll go back to the economics because it's the economics that are driving Mm-hmm. A lot of this unhealthy, you know, the reason we have unhealthy food, I often, in, in my analysis over the years as a fisherman and, and um, uh, as, a, as a writer, is I, I look at the economics and I go, you know, this just isn't sustainable. It, 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 it first occurred to me, actually, when I was on a trawler out in the Gulf of Maine, And we were landing hake that was just under market size. So we were throwing half of what we were catching back. And we were only going to get 15 cents for them. And I was standing there on that boat on this 100-foot trawler, surrounded by white bellies of hake floating around us, like as far as you could see, and realizing that we were going to be out there for 10 days working, Eight or nine of them just to pay the expenses of that boat—the fuel, the ice, the food—and then if we were lucky, we were going to make a paycheck. We made three hundred and fifty dollars for ten days out there. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make no, no, no. So, uh, you know, it just struck me this—the economics that's driving this is is the problem. The the trawl—what we're doing is cascading down a declining ecosystem. The trawlers came. At the turn of the 20th, at the beginning of the 20th century, when we'd already depleted the fishery, and the ecological the ecological impacts drove down fisheries, then they bounced up again when we got the technology after World War II, synthetic twine and whatnot, and then they bounced up again in the 80s when when we had kicked out the foreigners and brought you know you started utilizing their technology, and then the next step of this, as we've depleted the fish, as you said earlier. Is aquaculture. It's the next technological rabbit that we pull out of our hat to to increase productivity, you know, or to get what's left of the ocean's productivity. When you talk about going into a restaurant, you know, what they would, what the best thing they could do would be order a can of sardines, right?
0: Yeah, well, you don't have to go to a restaurant for that, and that is my travel food. You know, literally, I I pack three or four cans of sardines. Yeah. So, and I'll order a salad at the restaurant, and you know, salads are pretty safe. I mean, even if it's not organic, like you're not going to be yeah. loaded with a bunch of crap, typically. And, right. you know, you can be more careful in your salad selections and certainly right. avoid the oils. But, uh, you know, but the, would... the protein sources is, is either is canned, canned uh, sardines. I always bring with me. Yeah. So uh, do, so let's extend that since you brought it up uh, as an insider yeah. in the industry. Do you have any specific recommendations on how to select perhaps the highest quality canned sardines? Because there's a variety of them, and, and some yeah. of those sardines can be pretty big. They can be, you know, four, five, six inches.
1: Right. Well, the Beach Cliff is our local brand, so of course I would say, you know, that okay. they're. I don't know if that of... avail-
0: is that available nationally in the U.S. I have found
1: Beach Cliff in India.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Great. That's
1: a good <laughs> yeah. One. yeah, A lot of the North Sea um, sardines too. They, they, you know, if they're coming out of the Baltic, then they're going to have the same problem of, uh, you know, heavy metals and whatnot.
0: Now, is sardine just a generic term for a small fish, or is yeah, it's a, a small point?
1: herring. It's a small you know, herring.
0: Typically, it's herring. Yeah, it's a herring. Okay, and almost, and here's is a, that. Almost always, does it does it have to be herring or?
1: uh no, no. There are like, um, oh jeez, <laughs> I'm getting too comfortable with it. Um, no, there. Uh, no, there's, um, the, the in, um, you know, there's an actual sardine, you know, that uh, it's, a, it's a different fish. But our fish that we produce here that we call sardines
0: herring. are herring. Okay. And how big yeah. are they typically? Two, well, three they, they, can,
1: they can get, uh, you know, Eight. over a foot long. What? Wow. Yeah. And I've caught them on hooks. But you know the best ones to get in the can are like yeah. that. And when yeah. there's a load of them, and when well, the cannery's closed now, but we used to be when there was a load of them. Word would get out, and every and we'd get the the everybody worked there would tell us the lot number, and mm-hmm. we'd go and get a case of those. We want lot number this, you know, because we know it would be the small ones. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Is there yeah. Any, I mean, that any,
0: any way, way to find those that a consumer can find those now or now? Oh Try no, not there. really. No, I mean that's like the
1: that's the beauty of local. Really. Yeah. I was, yeah. yeah. I, I would say to people like eat local. If you can't put a face to the fish, you know, like a, the the producer of that fish, yeah. whether it's um, I mean, and whether it's a fisherman or some sort of sustainable aquaponic system, you know, that's growing fish using, um, you know, sus, uh, uh, real, truly sustainable feeds. But you just, it, it's really hard for me to think about, you know, our society how they're going to get healthy food. Without, um, w- unless we actually overhaul the distribution system, mm-hmm. and and we are doing that. I've been working with some people. Um, Slow fish is mm-hmm. a mo- is a movement, and we're we're working on that. There's and there's uh, different um, um, sea to plate restaurants in New York. Um, Community supported fisheries, where you buy a share and you get a, you know. Um, uh, a package of fish, whatever the boat caught. So you might be eating fish that you wouldn't normally eat, like um, Acadian redfish or monkfish or cusk, which, you know, nobody's ever heard of. But, you know, here in New England, they're common to catch and uh, but you're gonna pay, you know, you're gonna pay the same price as you would a caught or for a cod or a haddock.
0: Now you mentioned earlier, and I've I discussed this previously too, is that the shrimp is America's number one favorite seafood. Yeah. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, almost all of it comes from Thailand. So you can be yeah. pretty darn safely assured that you do not want to order shrimp in a restaurant because most all restaurants. If it's a specialty restaurant, of course, that that may be an exception. But can you yeah. help us understand a little better of how we identify healthy shrimp? Is is the shrimp from the Gulf in the U.S. okay, or oh, is the cold, yeah. cool Rexit and the Gulf oil spill from Exxon a while ago? contaminated them, or you know, right. what, what 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 are the concerns? Yeah. I think um, it depends on where you live,
1: right? Um, But uh, if I'm going to eat shrimp, you know, then, yeah, I go for – well, actually, to be honest with you, I eat Maine shrimp, which is a northern um, Pandalus borealis. Have you ever heard of them? No. Um, It's the transsexual shrimp. It's born as a male, and after two years, it turns into a female. Nice. Or smartens up. They smarten up, as my wife said. (laughs) 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 And uh, we harvest them. They come in shore to drop their eggs and we harvest them um, later in the season. Once they've dropped their eggs, we go and harvest those shrimp. And that's most of the shrimp I eat or I buy from local fishermen when I'm in Mexico, when I'm down in Mexico living. But if I was going to go into a restaurant and buy shrimp, the best shrimp you're going to get is going to probably be Gulf shrimp Mm -hmm. or uh, wild shrimp out of Mexico or out of out of uh you know the Gulf Coast there I don't know no it, the the problem with um, the uh government and studies is that they spend a lot of time studying what goes on inside shrimp ponds and they don't spend much time studying what goes on outside them so how much uh, and, and if there were um, uh, problems with the Gulf shrimp in terms of contamination, even the fishermen would be trying to squash that right so i don 't really know, and i can't really speak to that. I know that um, uh, that they had, they certainly had they've had plenty of issues and um there's a lot of industry down there so yeah well in your
0: in your book you mentioned that in 2003 US imported about a billion pounds of shrimp from uh, Thailand India and uh, other Asian countries is it now you mentioned Thailand specifically but I imagine it's like Indonesia and India would also be guilty of of farm raising these things and essentially producing toxic food that you do not want to eat and but so so hold that thought, and then the cost of this these shrimp on um, importing them, I think, was around uh, production cost was less than a dollar, whereas the ones imported from Mexico, which are a healthier version, was about twice that, about two dollars. Right. So with those costs in mind, what should the average consumer in 2018 expect to pay for healthy shrimp per pound? Oh, geez, I don't know. I'm not following the market right at the moment. So well, well, you would know better than most of us. I mean, no, you, you, they they don't give you the shrimp for free, right? No. no. Well, yeah, it them. depends, right? sure. <laughs> uh, But um, no,
1: it, I think that um, uh, geez, I haven't even checked it in the seafood case to be honest. But you've got me off guard there with that question. Okay, I like to get I'm, people off guard. That's my specialty. Yeah. The um, but I I can tell you again that it's it's certainly not the cost of production. You know, mm-hmm. I mean. When I was in Thailand. What do you, what do you
0: mean by that? The, the, the charge is multiples of what the cost of production is. Is that what you're suggesting? The charge is less than the cost of production
1: because the cost of production. You're charging
0: the consumer less than it costs to produce? How could they stay in business? Exactly. You can't. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's an inevitable catastrophe. Well, the business will fail. Right. Unless they're, unless they're subsidized by the U.S. government. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. You've just hit the
1: nail on the head. Thank you. This is why we have boom and bust, mm-hmm. because it booms while they're not counting costs. Again, it goes back to the depreciation. Mm-hmm. You're not counting the cost of okay. the water that you... So, so, they, so these businesses that are depending on clean water mm-hmm. and polluting it at the same time, Eventually, they go they go out of business. As we took as in Chile, they had a two billion dollar um, hit when infectious salmon infectious salmon anemia struck down there mm-hmm. because they had polluted the water so badly.
0: Yeah. And, and just to just to highlight things, the the, it, the, the actual disease that these sea creatures develop is almost irrelevant. It's just a disease. And again, it's exactly what you predict when you raise them in these yeah. uh, unsanitary conditions. They're going to get sick and die prematurely. There's, there's no mystery here. Yeah. So whether it's sea lice or the s- salmon anemia, it's going to be something. I don't care. <laughs> there's yeah. no magic bullet for it other than to, to wild catch your fish.
1: Well, actually, it's interesting. Infectious salmon anemia is a flu virus. hmm and the only thing that's separating, it, it will live up to 70 degrees. So the only thing separating us from infectious salmon anemia is 26 degrees of <laughs> body temperature. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Well, so, there's a, a whole variety of other components in the immune system, I'm sure, that, that assist that yeah. from occurring. But, you know, yeah. and, and if we had comparable conditions to the, 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 the confined fishing operations, we'd be just as susceptible to getting exactly these. And this is what you're seeing. We're raised in right. high, highly dense urban populations, eating highly processed foods, not exercising, not being exposed to sunshine, drinking polluted water. And you're going to get sick and die prematurely. Right. No mystery. Yes. So a, a, a guy who um,
1: walks to the shore with his cast net and catches three kilos of, of, um, of uh, shrimp, Mm -hmm. with his cast net and brings them home and sells them for um the equivalent Mm of eight dollars a kilo and feeds his family and you know those shrimp yeah us that's in no that's in mexico
0: yeah because those prices would seem pretty low i mean from my experience you know fish is anywhere from you know mid-teens to twenty dollars a pound i
1: pay in mexico i pay um about Ten dollars a kilo. Yeah, that's for, five dollars a uh, pound for large shrimp. Wow,
0: that's amazing. <laughs> now these are wild caught shrimp.
1: No, that's they? actually with the current exchange rate, that's uh, about two fifty a pound. Wow. Yeah. That that's like almost free. <laughs> yeah, it's sinful at the moment. You know, it's like you want to say, "Don't you want more?" <laughs> Don't you want yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah these uh, are these
0: are wild raised shrimp. While raising caught, yeah, yes
1: interesting, yeah. But they're, they're they're trawler caught, it. It. yeah. Oh,
0: the trawler caught,
1: yeah. They're trawler caught for the most part, and uh these buyers and or they're gill netted, mm-hmm. yes, and because the farms went out of business mm. there because it's, of disease, because as of you disease. said, yeah. they didn't, they don't count all the costs of production,
0: they don't count the pollution. Well, you're the mm-hmm. one who said that, so yeah. and so. Essentially, your prediction is that uh, essentially every aquaculture operation is is going to go out of business because they're, they have financial improprieties and they're not factoring in the pollution that they're causing, which is essentially going to decimate their business down the road. Right. And the, the, they survive by
1: basically robbing the future and coming up with technological rabbits. So the Chileans. Sounds just
0: like the-, the U.S. government, man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Chilean salmon, our salmon industry here, for example, basically you had two million fish come out of the water and, and it's never going to see two million fish again. So they basically went out of business. They were rescued with a government bailout of something millions of dollars went to these foreign companies to help prop them up because they had basically gone out of business. And yeah. so with that government help, they're able to continue and they and they get tons of government help. I don't know why, um, <laughs> you know, but uh, the, the our state government and the federal government, if you look at salt and stall Kennedy money, which is research money that's supposed to help fishermen uh, the majority of it now goes into aquaculture and fin fish aquaculture, figuring out how to grow fish. Yeah. So, so with these, you know, with these kind of subsidies, uh, not to mention um, overestimating stock abundance on forage fish so that they can be fished, you know, to in danger, dangerous levels of overfishing. You know, um, that keeps these. And now now the next thing that's coming down the road is genetically
0: engineered Yeah, I was sure I mentioned that, right. Well, not the Gene- feed, but the fish themselves. Okay. Right, the genetically the f- engineered salmon now that are like yes. two to three the size of which normal salmon. which if you read
1: in the book i predicted that right yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah.
0: and and so they, now they're, they're, they, are, they exist they're being sold i maybe not sold. Yeah. i think that's coming up in next year There's, it's going to be legal to sell them um yeah but they I, as far as i know and
1: i and i'd have to double check this but you can't grow them in the open ocean you can't grow them in net pens so what do we have going on now land-based salmon farming We have two proposals here in Maine. I just went down and spoke, right? And there's a company that wants to buy uh, 200 million gallons of aquifer water a year from the town of Belfast, Maine. And that's just a a fraction of what they're going to need to flush these land-based toilets, Mm -hmm. basically. I mean, this is what people need to understand. This water that you need for, for aquaculture, this free water, you know, they put them in the, in the ocean cause it was free water to flush their toilets. Okay. Now land-based, maybe they have to pay like percentages of pennies, you know, again, you know, it, it, it's basically they're giving them the water again yeah, so, so to, go- to, to, to to flush these huge toilets and the, and, and it's all,
0: and it's all still going into the bay. Well, let's go down a different path, and I'm uh, m- mostly theoretical. But if from your knowledge, uh, uh, deep is a deep uh, deep in the industry. Would it be theoretically possible to construct this sort of land-based operation, and then filter the water? And yes, it's a toilet, but you know, capture those waste products and actually use it as manure if you're feeding them healthy food and not full of toxins, because then the manure is going to be toxic too. Or, exactly. So, what? I mean, w- w- that would seem to me a relatively sustainable process. I mean, it would be an enormous amount of infrastructure uh, build up that you'd have to that we'd required to pull it off. But it would be certainly a possibility. But from my perspective, but I don't know the, the exactly.
1: Exactly. In fact, I wrote a brief article on this, and I said, and I said exactly that. Why are they putting the, putting this valuable fertilizer? Out into the ocean. Oh, why aren't terrible. they putting? Why aren't they putting it on farmland? Yeah, that's exactly. Exactly. That's exactly good. what I said. Because I myself, I practice aquaponics. I have a little aquaponics system. If you want, you know, we could go out to my greenhouse and I could show you. Yeah. I could show you my aquaponics system. But I have um, wild caught catfish that I put in a little pond, and the pond is. Um, basically four feet by two feet by a foot and a half deep i just dug a hole in the ground lined it with plastic put, put these fish in there mm-hmm. i feed them bread i feed them um uh uh organ meat from the chickens that we you know that we raise here and and harvest and so <laughs> it should I should be in the chicken liver well Yeah, my wife does. She likes that. (laughs) But there's only so much of that you can eat. And this problem, and the problem with the land based salmon farming now, some friends of mine ran an aqua, ran a commercial aquaponics system down in Yarmouth, Maine. And they ended up, they didn't even focus on the fish anymore. They said, we need so few fish to produce nutrients for our our entire greenhouse system Mm -hmm. that it's hardly, we eat the fish when they're raised they eat them they don't even sell them they eat them Mm. and so when you're raising 33 million fish in a in a land-based pond the amount of uh nutrients that you're producing could fertilize way more farmland than is so so from your
0: perspective it it is a rational uh, project that could be uh, enabled you most just, definitely there's just some engineering and obviously a massive funding of the infrastructure to pull that off but it would seem that's got to be the direction to go because you can't do it in the open sea you just can't even though right. they continue to do it and we haven't even discussed the dangers and it's just like genetic engineering with monsanto is claiming that yes uh there's never going to be any uh resistance to these pesticides and it was you know and now you've got 60 million acres of super weeds. That are resistant to them, right? Uh, but the same thing they the claims that they're making in the aqua, aqua aquaculture industry is that these fish will not escape our pens. Oh. So why don't you address that? Because I mean, you have these contamination, you know, these massively sick fish going out there. Let alone the engineered fish, which you know, I don't, I suspect they well, get this rules for those. Yeah. But they're escaping, and not just ones or twos, but there are millions are escaping. Right. So these uh, genetically
1: engineered fish are um, uh, what do they call them? Tri, trip, trip, trip. What's the word? Jeez, it's um, triploids. So these are triploids. So what they do uh, when they when they're raising these uh, genetically engineered salmon is they they pressurize the eggs, and it sterilizes them.
0: Well, so there's, there's, th- that's one way of doing it. But they've also yeah. actually introduced genes from another species that actually grow them two or three times as big. I mean, they don't look like salmon anymore. I mean, they look like. Well, yeah. No, no. This is it. They take those genetically engineered
1: eggs. See, they, mm-hmm. they insert those other genes into the egg at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, um, then they take that egg, once it's a viable egg, and they pressurize it. And that makes it a sterile fish. So the genetically engineered fish is theoretically sterile. Yeah. Theoretically, that's a good word.
0: It's the it's triploid. It's theoretically ser- sterile. Because it's triploid. And that, so yeah. the, the process you described is the process to essentially sterilize it. Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. So they take that genetically engineered egg, sterilize it to a triploid, and then you need to grow it on land at present, you know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, um, you know, we we heard we have heard this thing about no escapes forever, and in, in terms of, yeah, and then we say, well, they'll escape, but they won't live. Well, they're living. You know, at first, they they won't they won't escape. Then they won't escape. Or they they okay, maybe they've escaped, but they won't live. Well, they live. Well, maybe okay. Well, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> so these this you know it's a typical pattern of denial excuses and you know uh, uh from the industry and I, I think the same with the genetically engineered fish is going to be the same with genetically engineered corn you know that's
0: escaping now into the wild right well, it has into, to, yeah. into,
1: into other farms it has, so yeah. so
0: and it gets you- even worse because monsanto has the audacity and the financial leverage to influence the judicial system to actually sue farmers who for infringing on their intellectual property because right. <laughs> their land is growing their their patented seeds and they're the ones that caused it and they right. win these lawsuits i mean it's just yeah a complete perversion of the ju- judicial system. right so with a land-based system your odds of escape go
1: down tremendously of course because you're not exposed to the vagaries of nature but here's the thing you have um Shrimp are raised in ponds, essentially on land, and a, a fellow named Stephen Travis did a study. So, um, when Hurricane Mitch came through Honduras, it flushed those ponds into the wild, and those 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 domesticated um, P. vanomized shrimp then spawned with the wild, reducing the viability of the wild shrimp. And he did a paper on that, but couldn't get it published because the people at the peer review team included people from the aqua, the, the aquaculture industry and <clears throat> the same thing. So you've got pen raised salmon. Great. They're not going to escape. But what, if again, you know, what if there is a, a flood or um, a tsunami or what have you, and these are close to the, the ocean, then they're going to be out there. <clears throat> and as I say in the book, it's an ecological genie that, you can't get back into the
0: lamp. Yeah, know? it's pretty similar with the genetic engineering of our food supply too. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's the the parallels are really astonishing. Uh, you know, oh, when, this is yeah. When, when you veer from the natural and traditional approaches, you've got to uh, be wary of this and and actually expect this to happen. And no matter how many safeguards you put in place, they're usually not enough. Yeah. So. You know what I would say. What I would say to the consumers
1: is, if you're gonna, if you want to eat healthy, expect to pay more. more, Unless you want to eat sardines, you can either pay a lot more, or unless you want to change your diet.
0: Well, let's talk about uh, how much more should they pay, and then actually in the book you talk about uh, how in two thousand or nineteen ninety eight the Stewardship Council that certified the Alaskan salmon sustainably caught that that really wasn't a very good. Strategy because people weren't willing to pay for the difference. So, how much right. is that difference typ- typically then? That was 20 years ago and, and now. And, and yeah. uh, do you think that there's a, a, an increasing acceptance by the public to accept the additional cost for t- uh, a sustainably raised fish? Well, you know, they're probably going to eat less of it, of course, right? Mm-hmm. But it,
1: it's, you know, you're better off to pay $15 a pound. Mm-hmm. or a sockeye, uh, you know, a, uh, a Bristol Bay sockeye um, than $7 a pound for a Chilean um, farm, farm salmon, Yeah, right? So better off to eat one meal of sockeye
0: than two meals of, um, of farm fish. Yeah, and right? so, so- that works out really well because fish, of course, is protein. It's a pretty darn healthy protein if it's raised yeah. properly, but right. like any protein, most of us eat too much. And the average yeah. person doesn't only needs maybe 3 maybe 4 ounces of protein as as meat. Yeah. You know, or fish. Uh-huh. And that's about that'll supply your protein needs fabulously. You don't need For, to eat a half a pound of fish or a pound of fish. Well, that's 3 great,
1: ounces what? Daily or weekly or what?
0: No, at a meal. Oh yeah, at, okay. You know, 3 to yeah, 4 that's ounces per meal. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. you that's about all you need. You don't need a lot more. Yes, you can eat a pound of, a pound of trout, but you know yeah word, speaking of trout i love trout but i believe isn't most of it farm raised?
1: yeah yeah done? of course of yeah. course yeah of course because yeah. otherwise it's wild and there's no way to uh commercially catch wild trout um yeah. and a lot of that comes from chile too a lot of those uh, oh, farms geez. are in the lakes yeah yeah you know we get a lot of fish and i remember um there was a a group that was briefly formed, uh, uh, forgive me if I can't remember exactly the name of it, um, like the Inter-America Aquaculture Association and Sebastian Bell, who you've, who's, who, who is um, quite uh, referred to frequently in the book, uh, he, they got together and ran a full page ad in the New York Times of a pregnant woman saying her doctor told her to eat more omega-3 acids, eat farmed fish. And I talked to Sebastian about that. And I didn't put this in the book, but he said they're putting chemicals in those fish that they can't even test for. Mm-hmm. And I said, and you had the audacity to sign off on that ad?
0: Are you joking me? Right? You and know, it- a pregnant woman. and And... Yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, but and, it's, and it's not even – the omega-3s aren't even in there for the most part. I mean, they're radically reduced compared to yeah. wild-caught fish. I mean, they're, yeah. they probably may have more omega-6s than omega-3s. Well, Sebastian has been actually touring the Midwest in recent years,
1: promoting um, – encouraging farmers to grow omega-3 um, genetically engineered soybeans to turn into fish food. So – that's that's rather interesting but i'm
0: wondering no it's still the wrong omega-3 yeah you know it's is the reason that fish are so healthy is because they eat low on the food chain and most of it is uh food that's been consuming the algae and the algae has dha it's an epa so it's not like the fish is making this they're just concentrating the fatty acids that they're eating in the food supply Sure. So if you, give, if you give them omega-3 that's ALA, they're not going to convert that to EPA and DHA. It's just not going to happen. They're just going to have this, you know, it's just going to be like flax oil fish or flax right. oil hens. Same thing. You see omega-3 eggs, it's the same damn strategy. They're feeding them flax seeds and other things that are healthy foods, but that's not the omega-3 that you want. You want the higher right. order ones that's normally in fish that are eating their natural foods.
1: Right. Those larval Salmon are going to be eating the diatoms. They're eating primal right. primary those, production.
0: Those are the real omega threes. They're not. Right. Making, they're getting them from the algae. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. You know, in in the freshwater streams that, that right. you know that are still healthy. So, geez, it's such a complex thing, Doctor. I mean, the for example, out in Bristol Bay where you have those tremendous sockeye runs of forty million fish a year, they're trying to put a gold mine, the pebble mine. That will pollute those streams and damage those fundamental systems. And the next thing you know, you're doing hatchery raised fish, which is a form of aquaculture, and yeah. you're fe- you're feeding those fish pelleted food from their inse- You know, from the moment they hatch. So it's a it's a difficult thing. But one of the things that you you talked about about with the land based um, farming, mm-hmm. which I think is is a great idea. Is to utilize that that um, water, and I got I just got I got back from uh, Uganda in um, April, and I we were over there teaching aquaponics home backyard scale, aquaponics in the rural areas, but also in Kampala and down in, in the in the ghettos of Kampala,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that anybody can actually. Produce at least, a, you know, some of their own food.
0: Yeah. In 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 almost any situation, and so I mean, we people obviously as a hobby raise fish and tropical fish just for the beauty of the fish. Right. Uh, and they have systems that are designed to filter the water. Imagine that, right? They don't have to yeah. The water. Out. So you can just uh, scale that up into commercial operations, and, and exactly. That way. No, no, no. You take that water
1: directly. And run it through a grow, a grow like those people who that are growing the tropical fish, oh. could could attach a little um, indoor garden to their to their fish tank and grow,
0: you know, a sure, couple of salads worth of lot. To me, that w- at scale, it wouldn't work as well because the limiting resource in, in the bottleneck is, most, most, is the fresh water. So, you yeah. know, yes, that would be great if you had unlimited fresh water, but that's not the case. It's a diminishing uh, resource that we have. So if you could filter it and then take uh-huh. the waste and put that out, then you can just recycle that initial investment of, you know, a quarter million gallons. Well, we per- have... We actually,
1: we actually did two systems, and actually, yeah. you, it's somebody, you know, it's a, a, um, a place that you might, uh, e- Emma Natul, Natuli, Natalima um, in Entebbe, Uganda, mm-hmm. and so she grows catfish in here, in one, um, in a tank, that, a larger tank, much like me, and just pumps the water directly onto her crops,
0: yeah, yeah, th- that works. There's no question. But, you know, and so, so the groundwater, water. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the gro- yeah, the groundwater.
1: So then she draws from her well. So the groundwater, okay, yeah, that her, would work. Yeah, the so earth that's, the is her, that's the filter.
0: That's the filter. So the earth is her filter system. Yeah, that, that would yeah. work. I don't know, you know, I'd, I'm not a geologist. I certainly have no training yeah. in the area. So I don't know how that would work to fill up the water tables in right. other communities. Right. But if it works there, that's great. That, that would, yeah. that would, because you got to complete the cycle. You know, right. to me, one of the biggest tragedies of urbanization, I mean, you know, we consider the toilet such a magnificent development, but, you know, we should think about it. The waste yeah. of where does it go? Into the water. It was never, never designed to be in the water. It's supposed to no. be in the land. Unfortunately, yeah. people are eating like crap and they're taking all these drugs. So there's a danger of putting it back in the land. I mean, the microbes right. will eventually detoxify, but it's still less than ideal. And that's right. why human sludge is, that they use for fertilizer. What, it's not a good strategy because of the contamination issue.
1: Yeah. That uh, Koso Mayumi says that we should be trucking human no. waste out of
0: the cities back to the farms, right? Yeah, but if if you could separate, and I, I don't, yeah. I know that human sludge, and there's a there's a term for it that escapes me at the current time that they human or no, that's one of them, <laughs> but it's actually it's a more generic term that's actually using a lot of organic fertilizers, and they they fail to tell to disclose that it's actually contaminated. Yeah. I think that's because they actually have industrial waste in there too that are combined with the human waste. Yeah, so human waste by itself probably isn't that toxic. Of course, there's infectious illnesses that you have to yeah. be concerned about. But, but the, the toxins are mostly in industrial waste, not so much in the human manure. Do do
1: you do you encourage people to sort of look at the big picture of They're their course. health in terms of of our whole, our like our society and even how our society is constructed? So, for instance, you know why. Aren't you, when you go to a restaurant, is white, why isn't whitefish and walleye on the menu, right? Because the, the Great Lakes used to be a tremendous commercial fishery there. But then you've got all this industry and, you know, all this pollution going into the lake, right?
0: Well, so, just, just so you know, I used to live in Chicago. I've lived in Florida now for the last five years. Or so. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm actually right next to the ocean. Right. Where are you? Uh, just north of Daytona.
1: Yeah.
0: On the West east coast. Right.
1: So in, in 2007, I, was, um, I won a Guggenheim and did a world tour looking for sustainable systems. Mm-hmm. And I met, you know, one of the beautiful things about being a journalist is that I meet some of the most um, impressive thinkers on this subject, you know, and by and large, they said, they said uh, that the you know the the ability for us to have healthy, sustainable food production systems, uh, in the current economic regime and and the current you know sort of global system of, of values, mm-hmm. is going to be impossible. So it it really would require, a, you know, a value shift of you know the, the massive population value shift
0: yeah. of, of yeah. what
1: we're what you know how we value our our streams in our local environment to produce seafood so we don't we if our if our ecosystems for example the estuaries of florida mm-hmm. are imp- impaired you know that noah did a study they, they're all impaired they're not providing the ecosystem services required of for many wild species at some point in their in their development need to be in those estuaries and if those estuaries can't provide those services then those species that they're going to diminish too with or without fishing so when do we start cleaning up these estuaries and cleaning up these systems so that our wild fisheries rebound and
0: so what, what, what is your recommendation that the average uh, consumer can do? We have a lot of people watching and, you know, we've see, previously been highly successful at educating individuals about these types of choices. And it really changed a lot of industries like uh, increased awareness about genetically modified food. When we first started in this space, hardly anyone knew what GMOs were. I mean, you asked the average right. person, had you to know, interview 100 people before you ever heard had anyone even heard of it. And now it's common knowledge and people are making wiser choices and voting with their pocketbooks, which is a very powerful mm-hmm. political right. statement. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is if you can put a
1: face to the fish, mm-hmm. that's the best thing you can do. And, and um, there's there's if you, I would say go online and search for a, a, a um, uh, community supported fisheries near you if you're near the coast. Secondly, you can also go online and buy. There's um, lots of fishermen now are starting to sell their products directly online. And How so would you one can, find those? Um, I, I would go. I would go to Google, and I think. Uh, uh, we don't recommend s- Google. Like DuckDuckGo oh, would I, be better.
0: Oh, okay. your search engine. We'll
1: tuck, keep it generic. Go. We'll go to tuck, tuck, Google go. Google's the largest monopoly or, in the world. No, yeah, or, or, yeah. We'll go to your um. Uh, uh, what's the one? That, uh, oh, there isn't. Yeah, like yeah, it. yeah. Okay, so I. But I would go online and I would search for um. uh um. uh poof. Let's see. Well, I, I guess we're going to have to do something. We're going to have to get a clearinghouse for this. But I would say. Um, yeah, if
0: you can send, it, send us the information, we can easily put yeah, it on people yeah, yeah, the people's. Yeah, yeah. Where they can, they can identify, find, and source this healthier form of fish. Yeah, I, would say, I would
1: say like the, 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 the search engine, the search term I would use would be um, buy, buy direct seafood online. You know? Oh, okay. The other thing that I would do, would say, is to eat mindfully. Mm hmm. You know, so well, that's good you, in any case. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're gonna. I, I, I think that anybody, there's a tendency, I would think, I would guess that someone would feel better if they buy that um, $15 sockeye instead of the $7 farmed mm-hmm. fish. And they take it home and they steam it lightly and they put it on the plate with some brown rice and some. Uh, escarole or something actually, you know? white
0: rice is actually healthier than brown Not okay. really a popular opinion it okay is. it gets but less it, lectins
1: so. but if you you know if you if, if when you're eating that quality of fish it's like it's like eating in a white tablecloth restaurant you know yeah so yeah. so make it as an aesthetic experience you know light some candles and really just enjoy that you know enjoy that smaller portion that you paid more for knowing that you're, you know, you're part of a,
0: a movement. To... What, what, what's your favorite way to prepare a fish? Uh, raw, <laughs> so we don't cook it.
1: Uh, yeah, well, like when we mackerel, I mostly eat mackerel
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: and that I catch myself, okay, or I eat cod that my and mackerel breaks. is a code word for sardines, yeah. Well. It's also a great fish. Mackerel is yeah. a great fish. Uh, th- th- you know, there's another thing that I w- was thinking about that, I, that I'm working on here. It's a, I have too many ideas. I can't work on them all. But I would really like to see people eating fresh frozen sar- uh, herring. Oh, not okay. sardines in a can. If you've ever eaten fresh herring, there is right not from- a more. It is such a delicate.
0: Where, where would one obtain such a creature? online how to buy fresh frozen (laughs) herring online (laughs) well they do
1: they do butterfly fillets in europe and you know i there's um there's a story i tell in a book that i have that isn't published yet of watching a friend of mine when i lived in belgium as a young man watching a friend of mine eat a herring that he just got from a boat that brought a load in and was selling them as food right mm. and i've gotten them as food from the weirs which are uh herring traps that along the coast here and so you get them right out of the trap take them home and put them in the fry pan and there is absolutely nothing like it, it is you do so, fry your fish yeah yeah i do fry the herring okay saute saute and butter yeah and if i do like if i have a cod, i'll saute that and butter with Onions and garlic,
0: and a little um, Cajun seasoning on that. Yeah. I how, love that. Are there other cooking tips? Uh, I mean, how long do you saute it for? What's the thickness oh, of geez. the fish? Oh, yeah, yeah. See, I mean, see, what, what, are the, what are the parameters that you use to optimize its, its, its cooking? Okay. So, a good fresh fish. Okay. So, let's start from the beginning, right?
1: You, you're you the only place you can get a fish is at the counter of the, of the fish market. So, you're looking around you're seeing um tilapia just say no to tilapia Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um you know that that came from china right or any of these industrial caught fisheries frozen at sea anything that's frozen at sea just leave that be Mm -hmm. and look and when you see some pollock or
0: why the frozen at sea what's the concern there but it's spro- just part of this industrial system, food production um, system. But I mean, theoretically, it could be a good if it was caught the right way. It would it would seem to and if it was frozen, seed, it would be preserved in the nutrients, and it wouldn't be as damp yeah, biologically. Yeah, if, if if those are, if those are your
1: parameters, mm-hmm. then you know, I, yeah, and I have eaten it, but. My parameters are: Is this part of the industrial food system, or is this something you know that I wanna, that I really want to eat? Plus, not to mention that the frozen at sea is not gonna give you the same cooking qualities that a fresh fish has. So, a fresh fish, when you're looking, this is important. Okay. I hope this. I hope this makes, When you look in the seafood case, mm-hmm. you look for a wild caught fish that has if it's a whitefish, like a cod or haddock or a pollock, that the, the flesh has almost a silicone quality to it. It's almost translucent. Mm-hmm. When you touch it, it bounces back. It doesn't, your fingerprint doesn't stay there. The meat is tight, it, it holds together. Mm-hmm. If you see that in the store,
0: Buy it. <laughs> Buy it immediately. Buy a few pounds and put some in the freezer for yourself, right? Yeah, but is the, is the butcher, uh, the butchers, I know what they call a person, a butcher equivalent of the fishery or the fish uh, market. But, the fish, uh, cutter. fish cutter, <laughs> Is it going to let you touch the fish to see if it would spring back? No, but, you know, I think you, you get an odd you for it. You can touch it.
1: Yeah, yeah. When you see him touch it, right? You can ask him. Can you put your finger on that to see, okay. and see how that bounces back? And you'll see after a while. Like for me, you know, having been a quality control run processing plants, I walk in to the supermarket, and if I if I, if I see out of the corner of my eye a good quality fish, I'll buy it. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'll bring that home, and you know, cook it that night. I don't wait. Right. I don't put it in the fridge and say, I'll have that on. I buy it on Friday and say, I'll have that Sunday. If I buy it on Friday, I'm going to eat it Friday. And uh, so I, um, you know, I'll take my cast iron fry pan Mm -hmm. and I'll put a little butter in there and uh, saute some onions slow. And then I'll put that fish in there and I'm watching that fish. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm watching it. I'm letting it cook. It gets a little white around the edges. I flip it. Okay. Huh? Then I'm waiting and, I'm, and I am might pry between it, it flakes, right? If it's a good fresh fish, it'll flake. And I'll pry that open there. And as soon as that translucency of the flesh is just about to disappear,
0: take that off. Okay. It's right kind down. of like cook, cooking an egg, too, because it becomes translucent and turns, to, at least the white and it turns okay. Same process. Yeah. Right. When you see it turn just at that moment is when you take it off. Right. Right. Okay. That's great. Love yeah.
1: It. Yes, and um, yo served up. Oh yes. I remember, I learned to cook fish uh, actually. Um, you know, in Alaska, really. <laughs> and well, my I remember writing my mother. I had a rare phone call. I was fishing up there, and she said, "How you doing up there?" I said, "Oh, mom." We are so broke. All we have to eat is halibut, salmon, crabs, and shrimp. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh boy! That was good. Yeah. 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 I just I did have one modification for your fish fish uh, cooking instructions, yeah. and I would swap out the pan to, to from a cast iron skillet to a more <gasps> contemporary one that, uh, because especially as a male. Uh, Mm -hmm. the general observation is that we tend to lose, we tend to increase our iron stores as we grow older because unlike women, we lose it every month in the menopause or in in their menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. Uh, The high and high iron levels can lead to premature disease like heart disease. and cancer. Really? Really? Yeah. So you have to be careful and we encourage everyone to have their iron tested regularly through a test called ferritin. And almost, I would say 90, 95% of people, have mm-hmm. elevated iron levels that that uh, need to be optimized, and you certainly don't want to exacerbate that by right, using an iron right. cookware. So now, another if you're, way, if you were a, a child cooking for uh, a child, or or a menstru- menstruating woman, then that's no problem. Right. The, usually, the iron would be beneficial, although in so, that form, it probably isn't as, as biologically available as from like when the, I buy when I buy sockeye, I mm-hmm. steam it. Perfect. Just don't steam yeah. it in an iron pot.
1: <laughs> no, I, I mean I steam it like on a steam a stainless steel steaming oh, tray. Oh, perfect, perfect. Yeah, perfect. And I do the same thing. I cook that even less. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And it's
0: so, the same issue with the sockeye, which is orange from the astaxanthin, would uh, just the moment the color changes is when you take it off. Yeah. Well, even so, like like with cod, I'll let the color change
1: to go right to the last minute. Whereas salmon, I'll just let the outer edge. Oh, okay. cooked. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I, I it's almost it's basically raw
0: in the middle. OK, well, yeah. great suggestions. Any last ones before we sign off? Well, I think that um, eating healthy
1: seafood, um, if you really want a difference to make a difference, I think it's it's to see yourself as part of a movement you know, part of a a, a a global effort that includes a lot of beautiful people, a lot of small scale producers, people with faces that mm-hmm. put faces to their fish. And if you can connect with them, that's even better, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then you're not eating, you know, fish that you bought. You're eating fish from a friend.
0: Yeah. And hopefully, so. obviously, that's a bit of a challenge for most people live in urban environments. But with your assistance, we'll hope to seek to identify some uh, online resources that people can I have cheap. I have been working on that, and other people yeah.
1: have too. So hopefully we can get that together yeah, and have uh, sort of a yeah uh, would be good,
0: a, 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 a internet clearinghouse of fish so that you yeah, can well, find we, somebody local. Yeah, we have been using Vital Choice for a long time out of Alaska, and they are sustainable the only right. sustainably raised fish. I'm sure you're aware of them. And yeah, yeah. My um well, I buy
1: from my neighbor Chris Mullen. Yeah. So he, you know, he brings it. He brings back like, you yeah, know, he tries well, to, it, yeah. But <laughs> most of us don't live in fish, fishing, or growing up. <laughs> yeah. fishermen. I know my, my my son's a commercial fisherman now, so uh, yeah. you know he brings home the
0: cod. So that's I don't have to worry, right? All right. Well, thanks again. Yeah. Your book a uh, book uh, once again is swimming in circles. Great book, great. Book. great and also, yeah, yeah. And I have another book. You
1: know, uh, Doryman's Reflection that talks about the policy changes that have okay. impacted um small scale fisheries over the years and that just came out the second revised edition came out this summer. Oh. Okay. And got a Not got a great it. write up in the New York Review of Books and that's been selling excellent selling well too. Well, right. if I can sell these two books maybe somebody will publish my third one that's been sitting All right. on the shelf for a Let's while. Hope so. Which talks about positive initiatives.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for all your work. Thanks for sharing your insights with us. Uh, I'm sure it'll help a yeah. lot of people and uh, we'll take it from there.